In a not-so-stable world, it is crucial to amplify the right message. At the Stream Grace Network, our goal is to do just that. We are adding to our stable of podcasters every month, and we are growing. This is where you come in. We want to share in that growth. If you are a small business owner looking to grow your business, we'd love it if you'd consider allowing one of our podcasters to endorse you, your products, or services. The best part is that endorsement will never stop running in any episode it is a part of, ever. This is a unique and rare benefit in digital advertising. We want everything we do to be uplifting and to encourage positive growth. And we'd love to partner with you. For more information, visit us online at StreamGrace.com or email us at support at StreamGrace.com. God bless. You're listening to the Stream Grace Network. Thanks for joining us on the Renewed You Podcast. We're here to help you discover how mental, physical, and spiritual health combine to help you live your best life. We want to give you hope, tools, and encouragement because the world needs a renewed you. Now, here's your host, John Yule. Hey, hey, everybody. Welcome to the Renewed You Podcast. I am your host, John Yule, and I am uh, glad that you are with me today. Uh, just real quick, our podcast today is sponsored by New Life Church. I'm a pastor there, and we I want to invite you to check out our website at newlifeokc.org, and you can find more information about us there. You can join us for our worship services each weekend, um, and uh, I'm just glad that you are with us today. I've got one of my best friends who is with me today, and I'm excited to chat with him, and uh, he is a wealth of information. And uh, I will tell you, he is the brainchild behind the network that you are listening to right now. And and we're going to talk about that today and, and just share his story. So I want you to meet Jeremy Griffin. Hey, Jeremy. Hey, man. A lot of lot of props. There. Come on, man. You know, I'm all about <laughs> I'm all about propping people up. And and uh, but Jeremy, you not only started Stream Grace, but you've got what? Two podcasts on the network, right? Yes. Three, technically. Two. Two. Okay. You I got killed one. You did kill one. I did. Kill Which one. one did you kill? The his words? Yeah. All right. <laughs> and it's so funny. I. It's just, you know, it's one of those things you're like, well, four people listen. So we're taking that one out. <laughs> uh oh. We better get more listeners. I know. This on is, this well, and this is what I'm thinking. What's so funny is this was the most spiritual podcast I feel like we had. Well, maybe not the most, but it was directly it was the words of god right or jesus christ in red we're going through it chronologically i've got like 30 some odd episodes you can still find it but i took it off of the thing because the repetitive listeners and i'm just assuming it's because i was boring so i'm just i'm just going to go with that <laughs> certainly not the words of the lord that were right. boring. but so you've got two podcasts you've got your conversations podcast so i would encourage everyone to go to streamgrace.com and you can uh, see the our podcast list there the current ones that we have we've got more in the pipe mm-hmm. that are coming down um, but you can click on conversations and it is a fantastic podcast jeremy has a lot of great connections and he's able to bring a wide variety of people on and it's great to hear their stories mm-hmm. um, and what's been going on in their life and then he also has one which next to mine is <laughs> my favorite and it's called the spiritually wounded podcast because if you are 
any person living in the world, you have experienced pain, you've experienced disappointment, especially if you are a Christian, you still experience pain and disappointment. And how do you process through that? Because as a Christian or a Christ follower, uh, we should process through pain differently. And to hear how people come through those things is a great journey. Two great podcasts on this network, uh, Jeremy Griffin Conversations and uh, uh, Spiritually Wounded. I would encourage you to listen to those. So there's my plug. Yeah, man. Thanks for, that's great. (laughs) Well, that's a good podcast. Thanks for having me. Hey, I'm glad you're here. (laughs) Um, Hey, I know a little bit about your story, but... um, I want, I want to get into, uh, tell people first of all about you, a little bit about your background, and then I want to talk about kind of the downward spiral that you went through mm. and how you kind of came out of that. Um, a little bit about my background. I don't know if that's possible, but I'll do my Go best. Go for it, man. <laughs> um, so I wasn't raised in church. Uh, I, I met the Lord when I was in my teens, and uh, uh, I got called into worship ministry pretty early after that. I felt that that drawing and started to work in church full time. Um, I guess it, it started June, uh, of 1996. I was 19. Um, I turned 20 in July. So basically 20, um, and have been in ministry ever since, uh, in one form or fashion. Most of that time has been in full time working at a church, but, uh, parallel to all of that, I did a lot of, uh, sound and media and production, things like that. So, um, yeah, that's, that's me telling a little bit. <laughs> Come on, man. So sound, sound, media and production. Yeah. What, which parts do you want to know what, about, right? What, what's, uh, <laughs> what are a few things that you did there? Um, with some of your background, man, it's really weird. Sometimes I forget some of it. Like I found, I, I posted this on Facebook. You probably saw it, but the, the time I was a mascot riding a motorcycle, yeah. <laughs> that's just weird. Um, well, it's kind of funny. I, when I got into church ministry, um, even before that in high school, the, uh, I was in the choirs and stuff and, uh, I really was interested in sound. Um, I just, I don't know. It was really cool. My uncle was a recording, uh, had a recording studio. And when I say he had a recording studio, he had a home recording studio, but from my vantage point, it was like, it was a studio. Yeah. It was a four track reel to reel. And I was impressed. <laughs> so, um, I quickly became unimpressed <laughs> even before I graduated when I started, you know, looking in online or not online at that point. I mean, we had the internet, but man, musician's friend, the the catalog. Oh, yeah. I'll tell you what, that messed me up. Something fierce. But uh anyway, so so I was always into that stuff. When I went to work at a church, um, you know, when I was twenty, I I found myself like we needed to buy a bunch of stuff and so um my very first keyboard I got as a graduation present, and I say first one, it was like my first real one. And, um, this guy helped me down in Norman in a music store. His name's Tad Weimer, a great friend of mine. And I remember he talked to me and another guy, Tom Burgess. Um, I haven't, I don't have no idea what Tom's doing in his life today, but those two guys talked to this 16, 17 year old kid who wasn't going to spend a dime for hours. And they just, I just asked every question you could imagine. So I really had a lot of respect for them. Now say that to say, when I started working at the church, that's where I went to buy stuff, even though it was nowhere near me. I just, you know, they had invested time. And so one day Tad calls me and he said, Hey, uh, could you, would you be willing to help us out with some sound? And I said, well, I don't know that I can do it. Ah, you'll be fine. He said, um, we're doing this thing. It's the, it's the Guthrie bluegrass festival. And we just need a warm body to plug mics in, move cables. You've heard that speech Mm -hmm. before. So, uh, so that I went down there and, and 
I'm on stage with Vince Gill and yeah. <laughs> you know, like uh, that's the name I remember off the top of my head. There's a bunch of bluegrass. I can't remember the Kroger brothers. I think is who where they were an amazing trio for bluegrass. I mean, amazing. Um, but this was uh, Byron Burline's festival, and he's anybody who knows that world knows exactly what I'm talking about. It's it's the World Series of bluegrass, uh, at least in the states. And so uh, anyway, it's kind of my first experience. But what's kind of weird about that is uh, I was I was just moving mics and plugging them in and um, for different acts. Well, the crew of people that were there had um, these guys all pretty much did it professionally. And and so uh, uh, they had double booked, basically, and they needed another person at the survivor tree for a press conference uh, in Oklahoma City at the memorial bombing memorial. And so they couldn't leave. And they said, hey, can you go do this? And I said, no, I don't know what to do. And ah, it's easy. That's that line. I can't tell you how many times I've heard of. Ah, you'll be fine. And so uh, they gave me a really quick once over of a thing called a malt box. I didn't know what that was. Uh, I didn't know any of the terms because broadcast doesn't use the same terms as regular what I call regular audio. But um, so they're like, yeah, they just need you to run a malt and do this. And I'm like, OK, so hmm. I get there and. And I guess I did it. I didn't hear back that there was a problem, uh-huh. but, um, but it was very interesting because now all, I was same day, well, it was a three day event. So I think it was day two. So day two, I'm thrust into a whole different world that I'd never been in. And, uh, and that kind of started me with them. So along my, for me, it was all fun, you yeah. know? Um, and it started down that path. The next thing, you know, I'm working for the, uh, Oklahoma city Philharmonic, through a contract with the same group of guys, um, recording, uh, first I helped them with the shows and then, um, Tad and I both had this recording rig, um, that was pretty unique to at the time. And there was only three people in the state who had it, me, Tad, and then, um, uh, gosh, what's his name? Uh, the basketball player died, re- not real recently, but OU basketball player, Great jazz musician, Waylon. Uh, uh, Wayman Tisdale. Way, Wayman Tisdale, yeah. Which was crazy because I was in a message board with him, and I'm like... I didn't know that. Yeah, I didn't either. <laughs> <laughs> it was weird because I I knew his name. I wasn't a huge sports fan, but I knew Wayman Tisdale, right? So we're in this message board, and he's asking me questions about this system. And at some point, like weeks down the road, I'm like, are you the Wayman Tisdale that played basketball? And he's like, yeah. And... uh we had scheduled to have lunch at, it's so weird because he was up in Tulsa. We scheduled to have lunch at the McDonald's on the turnpike between Oklahoma City and Tulsa. <laughs> and uh, uh, it didn't work out. Um, and then later he passed. And But it, anyway, it's just kind of weird because yeah. all these things come together. Anyway, so using that rig, the Philharmonic bought the fourth system um, in the state. And uh, I think maybe, I don't know, at that point, who knows, you lose track. But so I was kind of working with the Philharmonic there and then... Um, and then I rolled into, from doing that, um, Tad was working for Fox or Cox Communications, somebody. And one day when the Hornets were in Oklahoma City, after being displaced from uh, New Orleans, he he called me and said, hey, you want to come to a basketball game? And I didn't because I didn't care much for basketball. For basketball, yeah. <laughs> and so I said, thank you, but no, I think I'll pass. And he said, well, what if we paid you to come? And I'm like, wait a minute, what is this about? You know. And he said, well... The uh, this was about three o'clock in the afternoon, right? He said, "Well, the the sound guy for the arena uh, didn't show up, and his wife was pregnant, so people aren't sure what's going on." And I said, "Oh, well, okay." He said, "So could could you come down?" And I said, "To run sound?" 
<laughs> and he said, yeah. I said, well, I can't do that. And then I heard the old familiar, oh, you'll be fine. Come on out. Right. And so I said, well, what time would I need to be there? And he said, well, noon. No, it was three. Three. Yeah. So in other words, get here now if you're going right. to do it. And I'm like, wait a minute. Like, so tip off was at seven, right? So I'm like, well, golly. So, so I get in the car right then, drive down there, having never done any of that. And, um, again, got a massive crash course and running sound for, for sporting events, which was nothing like a bluegrass festival. And so, uh, anyway, I ran sound for that and, and the people doing the crewing were, um, responsible for crewing the arena at that time was Cox communications. And so that guy, um, his name was Jason Bolt. He, um, uh, started calling me for other events. The next thing you know, I'm running sound for the the next event. In fact, this was kind of crazy. The next event I ran sound for was the NCAA men's uh, semifinal, wh- whatever it was. I don't know if semi, but um, probably just the original or first rounds. But the people playing basketball on that court that night um, was uh, Texas and OU had Kevin Durant and um, Blake. Um, Blake. <laughs> Blake Griffin. Blake Griffin. <laughs> of, of all names I was to forget. You ch- I was giving you a chance, Oh, my man. goodness. My brother, Blake <laughs> yeah, Griffin. That's right. Um, I was like, what is his name? <laughs> uh, well, yeah, Blake and Taylor Griffin. And so, uh, and it's just interesting to me because, you know, what follows that? Because I'm running sound. That's really my first event where it was intentional. Because <laughs> that game with the Hornets, um, they only had two more games left and they were done. So, it was right. like they were out. So I ran sound for for that, and then hockey was in there, monster trucks, tennis, volleyball, all sorts of random things that come through there. And uh, I became the the guy the the first up, I guess. Um, and then and then the Thunder came to town, and uh, and I started working with Thunder, which had Kevin Durant on their team, which I just I thought that's weird. I've been yeah. with Kevin his whole career. <laughs> he doesn't know it, uh, and then he betrayed me years yeah. later. <laughs> Hey, I on my to, birthday, by the way, did he really on, on my birthday? birthday is when he announced he was leaving. I was having a breakfast with friends and I got the text and I said, well, I guess I'm out too. If Kevin's going to leave. I remember where I Didn't was when happen. he announced it as well. Um, I think it's interesting uh, that a uh, momentum moment for you came as a result of a split second decision that you had to make. Oh, that's all my mom. But I think there's a principle there for people to grab a hold of, because if you're not happy with your life or if you're wanting to be open to new opportunities, they're not going to come the way you think they're going to come. You know, there, it might be that split second decision where you have to decide, well, I've got this, I've got to do. Well, you're just making a value choice right there. Well, Mm -hmm. I'm going to continue to do this or I'm going to take an opportunity and see where it goes. But, um, momentum producing moments usually are going to require split second decisions. And if you hadn't made that decision that day to go down there, a lot of what you're doing now would have never happened. Oh, sure. You know, it's funny fear. Okay. So I see fear as the opposite of faith, right? So I have faith for this. If I don't have faith, I have fear. Like you can't, it's right. It's not, you can't have both. (laughs) It's one or the other. So I was definitely apprehensive when I got that first call to work the Hornets game. And I was, uh, nervous and freaked out the whole time. And then when it was all over, I did it, right? I mean, it, it was accomplished. My mom used to say this about me. Ironically, I used to say it about her in a different context. But she said, when I call you, I am prepared for you to say you're doing anything. Because there are times, I remember she called me one time. She said, what are you doing? We live in Oklahoma, right? Not a lot of oceans. Right. 
she calls me and she says, what are you, what are you doing? I said, I'm sailing. <laughs> She's like, what? Yeah. I'm on Lake Overholzer sailing. She goes, you sail? I said, well, I am today. <laughs> right. Because I had a friend, a uh, mutual friend, Rick Brewster, had a sailboat. And uh, he said, hey, you want to go sailing? And I said, yeah. I, I'm up for most of anything. Right. I like to have experiences. But um, so I'm going to say yes to most anything once. In fact, one time I said yes to kayaking. One, one time. time. Right. How are you going to know unless you do something? I tell you what, and I hate kayaking. Nobody asked me to do it ever. <laughs> but I think a lot of people, if you're wanting to renew your life, you're wanting to change your life, you're, you know, um, you're going to have to be open to new experiences mm-hmm. and be willing to make split second decisions. You have no idea how that decision is going to affect later on. I often have said that the when I'm talking to students in high school that are going to college, that the doors of opportunity swing on the hinges of relationships. Mm, that's true. So that's the good. relationships that we build, we have no idea today how that relationship 20 years down the line is going to be used to open up a new vista right. in our life. So um, I just offer that to those that are listening today. Make, make sure, make a decision that I'm going to be open to new possibilities because that's the only way mm-hmm. you're going to break out of a monotonous life. You know, it's weird. When I was a teenager, um, there was a guy that had come into our youth group. Um, and I was an older teenager. So like 19 before I was in full-time ministry, but that little couple year window. And this, this young man, um, he's older than me, but he wasn't well received by everybody. He was from Las Vegas. And I think there was something about just saying he was from Las Vegas that's put people out. <laughs> I don't really know. Mm-hmm. He was the brother of somebody who had been in youth group. And I, I, I really just purposed in my heart to, to be kind to him and to be his friend. And he, I don't know, he reminded me of somebody. It doesn't really matter. I just, you know, I didn't want to, I didn't want him to feel rejected. And so, um, we became friends and he, uh, he died in a car accident. Um, within just a few months of him coming to town and um the guys that I was running with I I saw them dealt deal with absolute regret because they all felt terrible they they're all believers but they just didn't care for him you know and they felt yeah. terrible about um how they treated him and I didn't have any of that you know I really didn't and and I thought man regret sucks and yeah. so I just literally kind of applied that to the whole of my life. I'm like, man, I don't ever want to regret not doing something, especially especially out of fear, but but anything. I don't want to have regrets. Now, it's impossible to avoid life uh, or avoid regrets your whole life, but man, minimizing them is is a big deal. And when you're really just listening to the, the Lord and your in your guts and you're like, "You know what? I'm going to do this." And and when you realize the worst-case scenario rarely ends in your death. So let's just deal with that. You right. know what I mean? But anyway, well, I think that as we go through your story today, um, we've already kind of hit a theme that I just want to ride for a minute that not only did that split second decision that you made, was it opened up because of a prior relationship, but it opened the doors to other relationships that you have built Oh yeah, that opened up even more doors for you. I mean, even con- as you continued and eventually the Oklahoma City Thunder came to town and then you and your wife wound up being some of the main sound people there that would have never happened mm. if you had not taken that first split second decision. Absolutely. So that would have never happened had I not said yes to, to the, the, to the bluegrass. Very, yeah. Thing. To yeah. the bluegrass thing. Yeah, that's true. 
And so um, I just think that's an important principle. If if you're listening to this podcast today, you're probably listening to it because renewed you sounded like an interesting topic, but the word renew means to make new or to restore to its original condition. And every one of us were made to go on an adventure called life and to discover new things. And I think for a lot of us, for me, uh, where I went through my season of depression, it was because life just became monotonous. It was the same thing over and over and over. And we were never wired and created to be that way. We were created to be adventurous people. And uh, we serve an adventurous God who never does the same thing two days in a row. If you don't believe that, we live in Oklahoma and there's never <laughs> the same sunset. No. It's always different. Definitely not two days in a row. No. Once so, every seven years. It <laughs> seven years it might be. But um, so you, you've you run sound. You, you've been in the professional arena there. Mm-hmm. Um, you've also done professional media. Still kind of involved in yeah. that. Aerial photography and all yeah. sorts of crazy stuff. Um, but obviously your passion is worship. Yeah. No question. Um, is that something you've always had or is that something that God kind of that you discovered that God had put inside of you. The Bible says we're knit together. Mm-hmm. Um, so we obviously discover things as we go through life. But um, how has that journey been for you? And and uh, has there been any downside to it? <laughs> yeah, uh, man. So, you know, my whole family was musical um, for the most part. My uncle had uh, four girls and, uh, well, I guess he had three girls, but they always had somebody coming in in transit. <laughs> um, he was a pastor and, and they were so musical, you know, they did stuff, uh, you know, again, I, I, I didn't know Jesus until I was in my mid teens. And, um, so growing up and all that though, they would always be singing. We'd have family reunions and, uh, it's really where my bluegrass roots started because my family played a lot of bluegrass and boy, they were excited when they heard about my bluegrass gig, they (laughs) freaked out. But, um, but no, that, you know, everybody sang and, and, and played instruments, uh, except for me and my grandmother and, it was the joke of the family. Like we're the only two non-musical people. And so we would get up and perform a song at every family reunion. That would just be atrocious. Right. And so I wasn't hurt by that. I mean, it wasn't like a thing. I accepted it. I knew it, you know? Um, but when I met the Lord, um, I did have a passion. I it did enjoy singing. It didn't matter if it's good. Like I would sing, uh, you know, radio songs or whatever. But when I met the Lord, um, about a year later, I just really, I loved worship and, um, and he, he equipped me. Um, my grandma taught me how to play one or two chord, two chords on the piano. And, uh, from there I just kind of figured out that there was a pattern in those chords. And so I figured out how to kind of play through that. I always tell people the Holy Spirit taught me and that sounds kind of cliche, but it's very real. Dude, that's exactly how I learned to play. Isn't that wild? Yeah. I, I mean, I learned, I learned patterns Yeah, and then found the variations of the patterns. Music theory, really. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So that's I didn't cool. learn that until I got deeper into high school and then I took a music theory class and was like, oh, yeah, this is easy. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and everyone's like, I don't understand it. And I'm like, really? But yeah, so, so I was, I kind of learned that and, uh, and he opened, I always say this, he opened up my ears. I, I used to hear people say all the time, I hate how I sound recorded. And they would say, I sound different, you know, some variation. I don't sound like myself. And I found that wasn't true for me. What I heard recorded is what I hear. Right. Well, you can imagine if what you're hearing is accurate to what everybody else hears, it makes it a lot easier to sing. Right. <laughs> right? So, so those two things happened and, and within a very short period of time, um, 
I, I grew into that space, but, but I don't call myself a musician. Uh, I, I used to, um, I actually, I didn't even own the fact that I was a piano player until about 15 years in. And I like, I guess I do play piano because <laughs> right. to me, I was just kind of faking it. <laughs> but, uh, but I think what happened is, um, why I don't call myself a musician is because I met musicians and man, most like my son, my oldest son is a musician. He walks around with a guitar in his hand all the time. And I mean, all the time, if he's at home, it's almost always on his neck. Um, and, and he would, when he lived at home, he would walk around and play and, and he's never satisfied. He always wants music. Isn't what satisfies me. And I realized this, I'd, I'd gotten into a band at one point and I heard the, the leader of the band say, um, I, he was a pastor's son. He said, I just don't understand why we drone on for so long in worship. He said, it's just so annoying. I just want to get to the message. That's all that matters. Worship is terrible. And, and as he's saying this inside, my blood's boiling. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, maybe I like worship. <laughs> like right. I'm realizing this passion for, it. and every song that I would sit down and play were worship songs. And, and so I figured that was the defining moment for me. was being in that band. I was only in the band for a couple of weeks. We played some neat little gigs, but, um, but I was like, man, I can't do this. This is not my passion. And, uh, and so I had, and I had heard the call to do, to be a music minister, but I didn't really have that defined until that moment. Yeah. Um, and so what I always say is that God called me and equipped me to be a pastor of musicians. I can relate to musicians and I can walk with musicians and play with musicians, but I don't have the same desire and drive that musicians have. Right. Um, so, so yeah, I think that's where it started. And, 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 uh, you know, I haven't looked back, but has it had downsides? Yeah. Um, not worship leading. Ministry, maybe? Ministry. Yeah. Working in the church. That's why we have a spiritually wounded podcast, really. Right. Uh, you know, and so so I worked in, I had my first several experiences. They, they weren't really bad. Um, and that's actually where you and I met over 20 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. You know, um, I, you know, we're not going to talk about the very first time because that to me does not count. It does to me. <laughs> oh, but that's fine. Anyway, that that's another, that's another story but, for another podcast. Yeah. Yeah. But as far as within the church circles, yeah. um, I mean, I was thinking the other day, it has been at least 20 years. Yeah, absolutely. It, exactly that. And, uh, where we originally connected, mm-hmm. uh, or we didn't really connect. We just kind of met each other. Right. Right. Yeah. We were doing a youth camp. Yeah. I think you were bringing kids to I it. I was bringing kids to it. And right. I was at it yeah, <laughs> or I was, uh, working it. Um, yeah, I guess I led worship for that youth. Yeah, camp, you did. I? Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was kind of the thing. My first experience was, was weird. I, I won't dive into it too much, but basically I decided after three and a half years that I, maybe I don't want to do ministry. Yeah. Um, because I had a, an idea of what ministry was and it wasn't what, what you were doing. experiencing. Yeah. Um, but needless to say, uh, it didn't last my, my hiatus from ministry after I got out lasted two weeks and I got right back in, <laughs> but I got back in with, uh, in an environment really that is what I was expecting. And I right. spent six years with that work, uh, of ministry where I had met you and, um, and I really loved it. Um, I mean, I really loved it. My transition to something else out of that, uh, was very peaceable. Um, I just felt like I needed to do something different and that's where I got out of the will of God. Um, (laughs) which is weird (laughs) to say it in that context, but I knew I was supposed to go somewhere different. And, uh, in my mind I was, I was ambitious at that point. I was starting to think more in terms of, you know, being a part of something bigger and growing and, uh, kind of makes me nauseous to think about my mentality now. But, um, so, 
so I had kind of gone down that road and, and I've, and I looked at where I was as kind of a dead end thing. It was a church plant. We had grown and had three other campuses. Um, but it was like, I felt like this is it. Like there's nowhere else to go from here. And, and I wanted to be part of a bigger team. So I, I wanted, I was looking at going to 4,000, 5,000, 6,000 member church and, and my thought process was you, you can't really have a one man show when you got that many people. It's just not possible. Right. You really have to have team to, to operate. And so, uh, I didn't really put out resumes. I'd never really done that. Um, God just always kind of provided for, for pathways. I just kind of walked through life and I'd get a call, you know? Yeah. So I expected that. Um, and it happened. I did get a call, but, but when I was asked, uh, where I thought I'd go, I kept saying, well, I feel like I'm supposed to go to Colorado Springs and, I, there was no logic to that, right? I had no ties there at all. Um, I'd been to Colorado once on a trip. <laughs> so it was, was kind of weird. That was in my mind, but that's what came out of my mouth and, and was in my heart. And uh, But I never got a call. I never applied for a job there. I never even looked for a job there. And uh, um, But I did get a, a call from a pastor here in Oklahoma City who I had you know, kind of run in the same circles. And um, I'd known him for a long time. And, and I thought, well you know, maybe I could go here and, and help. Maybe this is what God wants. And you know, that word is so key in all of this. Maybe, 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 maybe. what if, maybe all of those things, none of that, God doesn't operate in the maybes, right? He, he operates no. in the absolute certainties. And, and so that was really, should have been my first clue. The second thing is, is I was really in pride. I felt like I had something to offer them, <laughs> I, you know, and whether that's true or not, me having that mindset yeah. was wrong. And, um, and so I thought, well, I can come over here and I can rebuild a once great program into something maybe not as great as it once was because it had some legendary stuff in the past, but at least back to a manageable level. And so um, what had happened is I had been talking with this pastor and his wife for for weeks, maybe maybe a month or two, and time was getting closer to where I needed to make a decision and so he had, we had already decided I would come on staff that January, uh, that following year, which we were in December or we were in November at that point. And he kept calling me, he called me two, two times and moved the date up. And finally I ended up starting the first week of December and they announced me on a Sunday. I led worship that Sunday and announced my, my role there. And then Monday I'm at the office for the first time and I had a voicemail from a pastor in Colorado Springs and my heart sank, man. Hmm. I was like, Oh my gosh, if I, if we had stuck to the original timetable, I would have gotten that call early December. Right. But I, I, that didn't happen. So I felt like the character thing, I'm not, they just announced me as the guy. They've got nobody else. Um, they actually, and I hated this part too, but they let go of the guy that, like they fired him to put me in and I will never do that again. I, that was the worst thing ever. I didn't realize all the dynamics even on the right. front end, but, um, yeah. Anyway, so, so I called that pastor back and ended up leaving him a voicemail saying I'd already taken a position. The crazy thing is if that church would have been a church of 10, I probably would have gone <laughs> because Colorado Springs. Yeah. No, Springs. no resumes, on, no nothing. And it's like Pikes Peak. Uh, right well, there. <laughs> and of all the cities that I could have said in my, with my mouth, like it could have been anywhere right? and it, and, and it wasn't. So I, I just, yeah. And so I knew then I was out of God's will and that really began the downward spiral that, that to get to this point is, um, that, 
you know, I talk a lot about where people live in, in their life. It's like a pressure gauge. And if you see a pressure gauge on any kind of equipment, they have, um, definitely have a red zone right. at the very least. A lot of them will have green and yellow, right? So green is normal operating. Yellow is like, watch out. And red is you're going to die, you know, right. Variations of that. Well, that moved my needle and, and things in life compound to move your needle. So I was now, when you know you're out of God's will, and now you're not really sure what to do. Right. Now you're really lost because especially in, in ministry and taking a job, I mean, how do you do that? A lot of people say open door, right? You move through the open door. Well, that policy might work, you know, as following God 101. But man, when you graduate to 201 or 301, there's lots of open doors. If you have exactly. two, two churches saying, hey, we both want you to come. They both love Jesus. They're both listening to the Holy Spirit. They're godly people. Now it's up to me to ask God and say, what do you want? Not just step through an open door. Right. And that's really where, where I was at. And so I failed that test for sure. Um, but my character side is like, well, I'm committed. I'm going to do this. And, uh, and so um, it was just everything about the circumstance was miserable. So anyway, my gauge moved up to at least in the yellow at that point. Well, at the same, so after a period of time, I ended up being there for, I think, four, four and a half years. So as we get closer to this time frame now at, you know, my experience level, I was in ministry at that point, maybe 11, 12 years, something like that. I'm not sure. But, um, but my mom had a business that my wife was working at, um, and a friend of mine was working there and he ended up misappropriating $1.4 million out of an escrow account that was not ours. Uh, because my last name was Griffin and the company's name was Griffin, my wife worked there. My wife and I were named in a lawsuit from a Mexican company. Without going into great detail, she was visited by a couple of people from Mexico that threatened her yeah. <laughs> and us. Um, that's when I first got a firearm. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it cost us about $5,000 in 18 months to get out of that. It also cost my mom the company. It cost... Um, my wife, her job. And then when she went back, she, she ended up going to work for another competitor while it was all going on, which was a great move by the way. It it really was. But she was disqualified from working in the area that she was used to working in and had all of her experience in because of the ongoing lawsuit. So she had to essentially take a pretty massive pay cut. And, um, and so it was like, man, it's crazy. Well, my mom lost everything too. And I thought, well, okay. Um, so keep in mind, needles moving now. Needles, moving. needles way pressure up. Pressure gauge is going way up. up near yellow or near red in the yellow. Living in the yellow. Um, well, then I said, I, I said to my wife, I really feel like you know my mom's losing everything. She's super depressed, and and I like maybe we should have her move in with us. <laughs> well, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, my wife agreed. Like we both agreed, and and it was very it was led by God, and yeah. I, and you'll know why in a second. So. So we had her move in. Well, again, I mean, dude, doesn't think rocket science figured that out. Pressure gauge went yeah. up, right? Um, so she was here living with us for about four or five months. And that's when I get this call from a girl named Jennifer in New York. Now, I don't know a Jennifer in New York. <laughs> and she said, hi, my name is Jennifer. And my friend has been looking for her mother and brother. <laughs> huh. Yeah. So I had known, um, I had known that my, I was six years old when my mom had a baby and gave it up for adoption. Mm -hmm. So I had always known, man, I'll tell you what, the underlying tones for my whole life, we would celebrate her birthday every year. I mean, it was like always there. I remember leading worship at youth camps and in youth groups 
literally like wondering she could be here, you know, because we didn't know where she was or nothing. So, um, I'll never forget the date opening day of the ceremony or opening ceremonies for the Olympics, August 8th, 2008, Hmm. (laughs) 888. Um, and so she, she says, you know, I think, and she's asking me, my mom's at the grocery store, right? So I'm home. Lori's at work maybe. And my mom's at the grocery store. And she, she said, is that you? And I said, yes. Like I knew. Absolutely. So she, this, my sister was going to call back 15 minutes or something. You're like, yeah. oh my gosh, like emotions are flooding, right? Yeah, as they are now. Um, cause I relive these moments. I'm a very empathetic person. Um, so, so my mom gets back like five minutes later and I set her down and I have to tell her what's about to happen Yeah, because <laughs> she had actually put her name out and all the information she could on a find us adoption thing on the, on the web and. I didn't even know that. So that's how my sister ultimately found us. But, um, so she, um, I tell her, it's like, Hey, your daughter is going to call in like seven minutes. And so she had to like process all that. So here I get this call and answer the phone. It's my sister. And, and for me, I always describe this to people as it was new, but familiar. And so really weird thing. It's like, you have these gears inside of you that have always, they're a part of you. They've always been there, but they've never been turned on. Yeah. And I hear her voice and they t- start ticking and moving. And so it's new, never happened before, but it's familiar because it's in me. And, you know, for her and I, in our relationship, we had nothing to do with the separation. So there was not a lot to work through other than just get to know each other. Right. Um, for my mom there and her and more from my mom's side, there was a lot to work through. And so when God had, <laughs> there's no doubt in my mind when God said to me and my wife, we should have mom move in with us. This was why, yeah, because we needed to be together to work through these things. So anyway, it was a really gauge goes up now. Now we're in the red, right? And it's, it it doesn't matter if it's good or bad stuff. It's just these pressures. My, my work environment was lousy. I always tell people it was the worst job experience I ever had. Best ministry experience. Um, that's now changed because I've had other ministry experiences that have been awesome. But, um, uh, the people I worked with and the and the family that I had uh, gained in the, in the kingdom were, were awesome, but the work environment was the worst ever. Um, and so I'm living in the red now, and I'm spending hours a day talking to this 26-year-old girl. I'm 32, I think. Um, getting to know my sister in New York, my wife and I end up going up there and and meeting her. In fact, the first couple of games with the Thunder, I missed because I was in New York meeting my sister for the first time. Um, and so, uh, anyway, um, I started having panic attacks for the first time in my life. My mom had had them, and I never understood it. And I, I mean, I resented it honestly. Um, and then I started. It started with me feeling like I was going to die for no logical reason. <laughs> And I'm a pretty, definitely was a very logical thinker at that time. So I was like, well, this is weird. I must be dying. Yeah. If I think I'm going to die, I'm logical. So clearly I'm about to die. Uh, and then I didn't, of course, as we talk here. Um, I'm glad because I'd be talking to a ghost. <laughs> it'd, be weird. Weird. <laughs> it'd be weird. It'd be weird. And so, you know, then I started having uh, chest pains and, and I was heavy. That's another little aspect to this. I was, uh, I was always a pretty heavy guy cause I was into sports before I got called into ministry. And then, so I ate a lot, but I was always doing stuff. Um, hockey, football, baseball, soccer, 
And so, um, when I got into ministry and had moved as a kid, I lost the ability, you know, those connections. And so I just got into music and started sitting all the time. Right. So, uh, anyway, I, I weighed, uh, 300 plus pounds at that point. Um, through most of my adult life, I was, um, about that weight, probably from 27 to now or not now, but before now. Um, and so anyway, I, so I had all of those stresses and pressures. I had chest pains. I felt like I was going to die. I was overweight, all those little things. And, um, and so I started one day, I just was sick to my stomach and like I was going to vomit and it, it lasted for 30 days. It never went away. Hmm. And I'm like, something's wrong with me. And I never went to the doctor, but I'm like, something's wrong with me. And I mean, dude, I started reading the Bible. That was one of the first things I did. I re- I read through this Bible in six weeks. I read through. I used the Message version. Yeah. And I went through it from cover to cover because I'm like, there's, I, no, I refuse to let something take me down. And uh, it was very insightful. And I remember reading this scripture in Timothy, and Paul's Paul's talking to him, and he's like, hey, uh, you know, you need to chill out and drink some wine. Like you're freaking out. <laughs> And I called Lori. I stopped right then. I called Lori. I said, hey, on your way home, I need you to pick, pick up, up some wine. wine. Now, I w- <laughs> we were not drinkers at all. The first time we ever had any alcohol ever in our life was like in our 30s. Yeah. And so, um, or maybe late 20s, I don't know. But it was just to try because we yeah. never had, you know. So anyway, um, so we didn't know what to get. And this was the funny thing. At one point, there was like 32 bottles in my kitchen because I was trying to find a wine I would like. Yeah. And I didn't yeah. <laughs> white Zinfandel. I, yeah. I, I kind of like that anyway. So, uh, so anyway, uh, I did that. And then I remember there was another scripture where a guy said, I'd rather lose all my hair or, or it go gray than to be sick to my stomach or something like that. And I'm like totally relating to all this, but it didn't go away. So I go to see a doctor. Um, and I'm, I'm trying to remember what was first. Um, I feel like an emergency room visit was first and I'm in the emergency room thinking I'm going to die of a heart attack. And, it's late at night. Um, and they, I don't like, I don't want to stay the night. Right. Cause part of me knows this isn't real, but the other part of me is like, but if it is real, so I'm talking to the doctor in emergency room and he said, uh, well, your EKG looks good. AK, yeah. EKG, AKG is a microphone company. <laughs> he says your EKG looks good. Um, you know, your blood pressure is a little high, but it's not out of whack. You know, it was, is reasonable. Um, and there, there, you don't really have any risk. You're not a smoker, right? You know, none of the things you're, you're a little overweight, but you don't drink wine. Right. <laughs> he asked if I was a drinker and I said, well, I've been trying, but I can't figure it out. And so, uh, so anyway, you know, he, like I said, he laid all that stuff out and, and I'm like, well, just, just level with me. He said, I said, what do you think it is? He goes, well, I mean, unless we do blood work on you, we can't find out for sure, but I think you're stressed. And I was like, well, I, I handle stress just fine. And he's he's like, hmm. Obviously not. Right. You're here, right? And I'm like, okay. <laughs> so he said, I, I think you need to go see a general practitioner. So I went and didn't even do that yet. I went to a 24-hour place, you know, or not 24, but a, you know, just a quick place. And had them do some more tests on the stomach thing. Found out that I had, um, I don't remember what it's called, but basically the acid pumps in my stomach wouldn't shut down. And so I just constantly had stomach acids in my stomach and wearing away at that. And, um, they gave me, um, well, they sent me to another, I ended up going to a general practitioner, a third place, but I even asked the guy that was there the at the, at the uh, first place. And he said, 
the same thing. He said, well, tell me about your life. And I started telling him all the things I just told you. Yeah. Um, and he said, yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure this is stress related. And I said, but I handle stress just fine. Cause right. in my mind I did. Right. Well, I go to the third place and it's a family friend. Um, and, she, and I liked her. She gave me natural stuff, which was great. And that solved the stomach issue. Um, but I had to make changes in my life. And so the first, so I just quit my job. I was already unhappy and I knew that, you know, but I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And man, my, my blood pressure dropped down to good. My pulse rate dropped to good. It made a huge difference, right? Well, that was kind of that first bout and I felt like I survived it. Like, and I, and I felt I can't control a lot of those things, but I control my employment. Sure. And so that's where I kind of reduced that. Well, some more time went on. I took about two years out of ministry full time. I went to work for iHeartRadio and, uh, and so at the same time I went to work for them, I started volunteering and, and working, I guess, part-time at a church in Choctaw, but there was a gap. There was about a year and a half gap at some point in there. Uh, we didn't go to church. We just had Bible studies at our house. I mean, we were just out, um, burned by church big time. And, and so, uh, anyway, we went back to that church. I'm, I'm just going to fast forward cause it's the rest of the story. But, um, about four years ago, um, I was working at that church uh, I was getting life insurance and the, uh, they did my medical for life insurance and, um, the numbers came back. I remember I was in Las Vegas at a convention and the the guy that did it called me and he said, Hey, we need to talk about your, your numbers. And I said, am I going to die? <laughs> <laughs> and he said, and by the way, when I quit that job, all those panic attack things, they kind of went yeah. away, you know? So I said, am I going to die? And he laughed. He said, no. Um, but we'll just talk about it when you get back to town. So we got back to town and he said, well, your rates are going to be triple what, what we had talked about because of this, you know, these numbers that he showed me, every number I had was high. I was diabetic. I was, um, high blood pressure, hypertension or whatever they call it. I had everything that you could have bad, high cholesterol, everything was bad. And, and I said, well, if you're tripling my premiums, this is what it says to me that you think I'm three times more likely to die than you previously thought. Right. And he said, well, I mean, I guess technically that's true. And so that for me, you know, it wasn't a doctor telling me I was going to die, but it was somebody who has a lot more vested interest in it. Right. An insurance company. Right. (laughs) So I said, well, how long can I read till I can retest? And he said, well, for full credit, it's a year. I said, okay. So I had determined I'm going to start exercising and, and counting calories. And, and that's really what I did. I lived a calorie deficit and I spent every day, I started off with 40 minutes on the elliptical and I was at three Oh five. I think at that time I spent 30 minutes or 40 minutes on the elliptical for the first month. And then I just bumped it down to 30 cause 40 was a weird number from, for my schedule. <laughs> so I ended up doing uh, 30 minutes every day. I didn't miss a day, right. For a solid year. I worked out every day, um, Thanksgiving that year. And, and it started, I don't remember when, maybe February or something, but Thanksgiving that year I was sick as a dog and I still worked out because I, MOCD and I had to have that day's workout right on my watch. (laughs) So I got really tailored to it. I made sure I did research on pulse rate for fat burn and all those things and had had to realize that I had to work out slower because I was doing cardio work instead of fat burn. And, um, and so I really started focusing on that stuff and then eating at a calorie deficit. Well, you, you kind of automatically start eating right when you're counting calories because things that crappy for you are really high in calories. calories. So you're like, oh, I could eat this and get a lot more food, mm-hmm. right? So it was pretty easy. My my typical calorie burn a day was 3,500 calories when I first started. Wow. Just living life, right? Um, 
And so I was eating about 2,500 calories at that point. Well, the first two or three months, man, I, I dropped 30 pounds in two months, I think. Um, yeah, because it was 15 pounds a month. And that went on actually for three months. And then it slowed, which I kind of, sure. I'd read about it. I kind of assumed. Yeah. And it had to, right? I mean, right. you're not as big. You're not, your body didn't work as hard. And it's in shape now. Right. So I started playing indoor soccer again, just doing things, paintball, more active things. Anyway, but when we came around to that year, I got my stuff done again. And uh, I had hit a 70 pounds lost. And... All of my numbers, every single number was down in the normal range. Um, everything. My mm-hmm. resting heart rate was high 50s. Yeah. And uh, so it was like, yeah, everything was good. But um, but that's not, you know, that that's that was important. It's hugely important. In fact, I think God, like if I wouldn't have done that, I might have died through what other things were getting ready sure. to go on. So anyway, that that, you know. I can kind of talk about past that, but I'll let you talk now since I talked for 45 minutes. <laughs> well, um, we're, we'll do a part two and go <laughs> down the other road, but um, very similar to my life, which is kind of where this podcast has come from, because um, though you're not going into detail yet, we'll save that for the next part, yeah. but our bodies are designed to respond to more than just natural stimuli. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are there was spiritual stuff going on with Absolutely. you that was manifesting itself physically. And what a lot of us do, if you're listening to this podcast, uh, which you are, so um, <laughs> but listen, just being honest with you, what most of us do is we treat our symptoms, and yep. we're, we don't do the work to get to the real root of why certain things are happening. So you're living your life with the pressure needle in the red, and it's it's not surprising to us now. Right. But I can imagine at that point in your life, you probably didn't correlate the rapid acid oh. in your stomach to the pressure right. that was coming in. Um, and I mean, I almost died. Yeah. Same thing. I was unhealthy physically. Um, and I've never told my story on here. So here's my short little synopsis. And this will show you why we're doing this podcast and where we're going in the future. Because um, I was in ministry. Ministry can make you unhealthy if you're doing it all out of your flesh. Right. And if your ambition is all about you, I don't know that I'm, I don't believe ambition is bad. Mm-hmm. It's the source of the ambition. I'm very ambitious for the kingdom. Right. I want the kingdom of God to advance. But man, earlier in my life, the ambition was all about what I could do. Yeah. Getting a part of something bigger, better, more income. You know, all of it was me driven. Right. Um, and man, that makes you unhealthy. Even when we started our, our church, um, it, it, it just made me unhealthy. I gained all kinds of weight. Um, and, uh, but then luckily I had a, a doctor who was a family friend who knew me since I was 16. And when I went in and told him I was having chest pains and my wife was concerned. And if she, if God hadn't showed it to her, I would have never gone to the doctor because mm-hmm. we all think we can handle everything on our own. Right. I used to say Moses didn't go see a doctor. Why do I need to? <laughs> Why do I need to? <laughs> so I went to a doc to to my doctor and he started telling me, you know, hey, you're overweight, and, mm-hmm. but you know, everything is good and then he he said, "Johnny, there is not a pill I can give you that's going to fix what's going on with you right. because your body is manifesting something else." And he's a Christian and he said, "I think this is all mental and spiritual and your body is the last thing." And um I thought that was interesting and and so I went back to get the test results and he felt the same way after getting the, the blood work and stuff. And he said, Johnny, if you don't change this, you will be dead. Mm. 
within four years. Hmm. And he said, if you're going to change this, every part of your life is going to be affected. Your right. mind, your spirit, and your body. Right. And so that began my journey. I wound up going to counseling, which I thought only weak people went to counseling. And now I'm on the Smart other side. Smart people go to Smart counseling. Go to counseling. <laughs> right. I know you had that. We'll talk sure. about that in point in, in part two. Um, and then my spirit, I had to have a new, a rebirth in my connection with God. And uh, my 30-second explanation we'll go into later at another point is I think most of us, at least for me, I think I'm average. So that's why I use myself a lot. I'm just trying to be honest with the things that drove me. I wanted connections with God to make me feel better or to change my nature, my my habits. It wasn't really about becoming who God designed me to be. Mm-hmm. Two different focuses. Right. And so I was finally at a point to where I was like, God, if you don't, if, if I don't get connected with you in the right way, mm-hmm. I'm going to die, <laughs> you yeah. know? And I found out that there is... There is a completely different connection when you are really allowing the life giver to bring life back to you. Mm-hmm. And um, so I had that encounter. Um, I, I was getting healthy mentally going through uh, my hangups. I have an entire series on our website at newlifeokc.org that you are welcome to go see. It's called Baggage. And it is it goes through the things kind of that I went through. It's, counsel, it's a counseling series um, of how you can unload some stuff. But then I started getting healthy physically, got a trainer, lost weight that birthed into wanting to build my body and actually build muscle and not just drop weight. And through all of that, that two and a half to three year start that I'm still doing today, Mm -hmm. I dropped all kinds of weight. I'm finally where I should be. All my numbers are level and I am happier Right. Aren't you happier oh now? Oh my gosh. And I'm so thankful for that's, that. That's the most underrated part of it is how you feel. I used to tell people this. I didn't know that I felt bad until I felt good. Yeah. You, Cause you just don't know it's your normal. And then all of a sudden you, you do like, it's like eating right. You know, when you eat, eat right. And then all of a sudden, like I didn't have fast food or, right. or soft drinks for like three years. And then in some moment where it was convenient, you know, I had just a burger or something from McDonald's and a Coke. And it was like, I just poisoned myself. This is cardboard. Why am I eating this? <laughs> it was so awful. And the feeling afterwards, like, mm-hmm. I was like, I know. I'm with you. But you're, you're explaining the whole reason why once you get healthy, you want to stay healthy. Right. Once you get healthy mentally, you go through the process of, of unpacking things in your mind then you just start, you want to keep going. What else can I impact? Right. What else can I get over? Yeah. What else can I get forgiven of? Um, when you start discovering the life giver uh, in God, then everything that you do in ministry um, becomes driven by life giving. So when I think about our church, um, I love the fact that Jeremy is our worship pastor at our church now. And when he and I got connected, that was not at all even in the playbook. Right. Um, it was just two guys that there was a connection and we just enjoyed hanging out and talking. And so again, uh, momentum moments are based on split second decisions, you know? Mm -hmm. And so, and now we're together doing this thing. And one of the main characteristics that drives me is I want to create every time we come together, I want it to be life giving. And because that's, what's changed me. And that's what's changed you. Yeah. And um, I used to have as a goal to be happy. Hmm. And now it's not. Because happiness is based on other things that are going on in life. 
but I didn't realize I I wasn't joyful mm. until you get joy. Mm-hmm. And then you look back at the last 40 some years of your life going, wow, I was trying to find joy in all these other things when all I really needed was to get my body right, my mind right, and my spirit right. And suddenly, mm-hmm. hey, now does that mean that we have bouts where we're not happy? Of course we do. We're human. But man, you're able to pull out of those downward spirals so quickly now. Mm-hmm. And um, I want that for every person listening. I want you to know that God designed you to live a better life than you're currently experiencing. But it doesn't just happen. <laughs> no. It doesn't just happen. We yeah. have to make the right choices and put the effort in to make things happen. I spent 30, 30 ish years doing the wrong thing. And I'm not going to take a pill and be better in a week. No, <laughs> it, you know, I will say this. It doesn't take 30 years to get to the no, right it, thing either, it but, doesn't. but it does take a decision. I mean, it was a, honestly, I always tell people this, man, if you, cause they're like, I can't count calories. I can't exercise. Okay. Well, fine. I will also say this exercise, I think is pretty key. But it's like twenty percent of of everything. Eighty percent of it is what you put into your Absolutely. body. Absolutely, and 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 that's the thing. So that is super easy to control. Just have self control. Reasonable. Just sit there and say, okay, I just reason to yourself. If I do this, this is killing me. When you start understanding that you're taking time off of your life, exactly. Every decision you make in what you put in your body, it can either add time or. De- take time away and very few things are of a null effect and so it when you make that just conscious decision i love jersey mike's giant nine sub that was my go-to that thing is an most amazing sub sandwich on the planet mine's the 13 okay, <laughs> just so well, you know <laughs> exactly the italian but it's got to be hot it's, it's got to be put on the oh griddle. yeah so so i would have that giant i'd order a giant you would do nine. a giant okay so here's yes dude listen i'd get a giant nine and I would, this is what was mentally going on. I'll get a giant nine. I'll eat half of it for lunch and half of it for dinner. Let's say that I did that. Yeah, you probably didn't. Not every time. <laughs> I did every once in a while. But but here's what would happen. I'd eat uh, two thirds of it or, or it's in quarters. So three yeah. fourths of it. And then I'd have the little one as a snack and then yeah. I'd have dinner. Right. But But let's just say I did what I just said. The amount of sodium in the giant nine right. is two hundred and fifty percent of your daily recommended. Your the the cholesterol is one hundred and twenty five percent. The uh, what was the other one? Calories. Oh yeah, the calories on that thing was like thirty seven hundred. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's like you're done eating for two days, right? If you've had that, and and in even over two days, you've still consumed more salt than you should, right? And sure. so that was I used to have that on the regular and then I would drink uh, cranberry juice and I'd cut it with water thinking, well, that's good because it's really high in sugars and I'd cut it with water. Well, that's great. But if I still drink the whole, the whole thing, thing you're cut still with water or not, sugar. it's the same sugar. And so I would drink that over the course of maybe two days, an entire container of cranberry juice. Yeah. And so, yeah, my blood sugars were out of whack. My everything was out of whack. That was my regular diet. Yep. And you know what? The last time I had that was four or five years ago now. I, yeah. I haven't gone back because I know. You know now what it's going to do to you. And I know that if I eat that giant nine, even if I eat one quarter of it, it's over. Because mm-hmm. <laughs> it's because you're not so gonna, you're not going to stop. Exactly. You know. It's so uh, yeah, man. I mean, I I identify with that so much. Um, and I think anybody who's listening, here's what I want you to take away from today. Here's kind of been the theme that's going on. Your life is a culmination of your choices. 
And if you're, if we're not happy with our life, we've got to own it and make different choices. So if you want to change uh, the direction of your life, you got to make a choice to be open to momentum producing opportunities, but you've got to accept they're going to require split second decisions. You're probably not going to get a lot of notification. You're probably not going to have a lot of time to process things through. You're going to have to learn to trust the spirit of God inside of you, especially if you're a Christ follower and quickly question Lord, is this from you? If it is go for it. You have no idea the relationships that are going to be built, the uh, experience that's going to be open to you. That simple decision could change your life. When you're sitting down to eat, realize everything that's on your plate is either going to bring life to you or it's going to take life from you. And uh, you're because you would never pull up to a gas station today. And if your car can take, you know, the E10, you're not going to put E85 in it. It's going to destroy your car. It's not designed for that food. And whether we like it or not. Yeah. We weren't designed to consume Big Macs. No. You know, I mean, I don't I don't understand or I I say this now, if you consume a Big Mac, guess where you're going to what you're going to be? A Big Mac. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to drink the Super 44s, guess what? You're going to be a super size yeah. 44. So what you consume is who you become. And so change make make some simple choices. You don't got to go crazy but make better choices of what you put into your body. And what I promise you is your body is designed to heal itself quick, quick. Yes, that's so true. It is true. If you give it what it's designed to run on, it'll heal itself pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. And, um, it it won't be long till you'll find yourself like me addicted to water. (laughs) So anyway, and I know we're going to do this part two thing. Yeah, we're going to But what you said. And I think this is key because you said, um, uh, split second decisions. Right. And so we, we, if you don't like where you're at, it's you own your choices and it's real easy, especially in what I just told, you know, I talked about quitting a job. Um, and that made it better. That sounds like it's an external problem. What we'll talk about in part two is how I discovered that it wasn't right. It, it was a temporary fix, but I had to come back 10 years later and deal with what was really going on in my heart. And I think that's again, where a lot of us, if we'll be honest with ourselves, we spend so much time dealing with symptoms and we've got to be honest and be willing to dig down. And, um, as we go through the history of this podcast, hopefully I believe we're going to find that all of us, all of our problems, they, there's very similar roots. There's, it's not like there's a thousand different issues. Most of us all struggle with the same root. It just manifests itself differently. And if we'll deal with the roots, man, God can change our lives. So, man, I'm glad you were with us today, Jeremy. Thank you so much. Yeah, for sure. Um, If you would like to know more about uh, Sun Grace or uh, Stream Grace, go to streamgrace.com. You can find out more about our podcast. If you want to learn more about uh, the worship that Jeremy does, uh, you can go to uh, SGN Worship and you can find stuff there. Or you can go to our church site and uh, you can find worship music there that, that we've done at the church. And if you would like more information on New Life, our dream in church, you can go to newlifeokc.org. But thank you so much for being with me today. I just want to remind you, don't be satisfied with who you are. Embrace who you are, but do the hard work to become who God designed you to be. Because if there's anything the world needs, and there's a lot of things the world needs, but one of the things it needs is it needs you, a healthy you, a renewed you to make this world better. Thanks again. And we'll see you next time on the renewed you podcast.